Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics, Baby Lock, and the Electric Quilt Company. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm going to talk a little bit of antiques, a little bit of quilting today, some creativity and some basics. So first of all, I've got Mary Covell on, who is an antiques dealer. She designs fabric. She's an author. Mary, Mary, you do everything. <laughs> I try not to, but I do a lot. <laughs> yes, you do a lot. I'm, you know, I have known you for so long, Mary. I can't even remember. Wh- I met you at, like, I'm sure, in your booth at one of the shows uh, where you have all your antique quilts. Um, how? When did you start getting interested in antique quilts? Well, it's an interesting story because I made and sold 13 new quilts in one year. And my husband and I went to an auction, and a quilt went for $7.50. And I said, what am I doing? I should buy other people's work. So in about, let's say, 1972 or 73, Mm -hmm. I started buying my quilts and selling other people's work rather than my own. Yeah. Wow. So were their quilts plentiful? Were they easy to find? They were. Almost every household had quilts, so any auction we went to, and I'm not going to say every auction, but mm-hmm. most of the auctions always had quilts, anywhere from 1 to 2 to 12 or 13. I bought as many as 20 at one auction. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness. You know, I come from a family where there were no quilt makers. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so you would not have found any. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sure an aunt wouldn't have given it to somebody, and then it would have been there. Yeah, you never know. You would have found crocheted, um, you know, Afghans. Afghans, right. Yeah, so we had lots of those. Um, so when you started picking up the old quilts, was there a point where you were like, I want to know more about them? Yes, and one of the interesting things was that I was teaching quilting in my home. I would go to an auction, and I would bring out to show the girls what I was buying. Mm-hmm. And if they were dated quilts, I would say, wow, this is from 1850 or 1870 or 1920s. And then I started to collect antique fabric to repair the antique quilts. So I started Ah. comparing the fabrics to the quilts. Mm -hmm. So it was all an interesting cycle where I needed the fabric to repair. I wanted it to be old, so I bought the old to repair the old. And Mm -hmm. that's how I learned all about antique fabric. So, so are there groups, right, for for people who are like antique dealers or historians? There's some, are you involved with those groups? Well, there's something called American Quilt Study Group, and yes, mm-hmm. I belong to that group, and I've been there not continuously every year for, but about the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. That must be just crazy fascinating to. It to is go. because they want to know about the thread, the color, oh. the dye. <laughs> I can say I don't know all of those things, but I can Mm -hmm. pretty much date most antique fabrics within 10 years just because I've handled so much. Now, with all the antique fabrics, you know, that you were buying, you know, just, I guess, pieces that you could, how did you keep track of that? Well, I had a four-bedroom house, and one room was just filled with fabric. Mm. (laughs) And one day my husband said, you have more fabric 
than to repair all the quilts in the world. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, what do you want me to do? He said, take it to Houston and sell it. So Uh that's the first time I took it to Houston to sell fabric, Mm. plus my quilts. And Mm -hmm. I came home with just a little bit of fabric and Mm -hmm. a lot of money, uh, a lot of fabric. A lot of money. Yeah. And my husband said, there's crazier people than you out there. Go out and buy some more. So that started my buying and selling antique fabrics. And right now I have over 100,000 pieces of antique fabric. I know that because someone asked me, how much fabric do you have? I said, oh, 10,000. I don't know. I started counting it. And I have a lot. That's crazy. Now, you have a shop now. So when did I do. That's another fun story. Yeah, I so wanted a quilt did, shop in 1970. How did you decide to do a shop? Sorry? How did you decide to do a shop? Well, in 1970, my girlfriend and I wanted to have a quilt shop. Her husband oh. was a lawyer, and he said, oh, what if someone gets poked with a needle? Somebody's going to sue you, so we never opened a shop. Mm-hmm. About 10 years ago, my husband sold his company, and he bought a building, and he said, it's much larger than I thought. Maybe mm-hmm. you'd like to open a quilt shop. I said, 40 years ago, I wanted a quilt shop. So anyway, that's why I have a quilt shop, because my husband bought an antique building. It was 1814. It still is 1814. And I have since taken over the whole building. I have a retreat center with 16 beds, four and a half baths, a sewing room, the quilt shop's downstairs, and we have a lot of fun. So what did your husband do then? Like, I mean, he works with you now, but what, what did he do when he did, you took his building? Did he have to well, buy he one? had an internet company called auctionzip.com, mm-hmm. and it's an online auction locator, and his partner and him came up with it, and they bought it to sell, and that's what they did. They owned it about six years and sold it, and my husband said, what am I going to do during the day? He likes to redo old buildings. We live in an old church. We're getting ready to move into an antique two-room schoolhouse, and he just likes to do buildings. So he bought the building for something to do. Not for ah. me to open a store, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which now I'm glad so I did. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> you are so interesting. So in this, um, in your in your shop, w- tell us where it is so everybody can come visit. Okay, we are one mile off the Bedford. We're off the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and the exit is the Bedford exit. And we are just one mile, very easily come down the road, turn right on Pitt Street, where the large blue building with a big sign that says Mary's Quilt Shop. And we're a little bit different because 90 to 95% of all the fabric in the store are just Mary Koval designs. Mm -hmm. So when people come in and they go, wow, your store looks different, it's because I don't have all of the other designers' fabrics in my store. They're basically Mm -hmm. all mine, so most of the patterns are all my own patterns so you're not going to see what you see in my store and other stores so when you put all of them let's say pat sloan's fabric all in Mm -hmm. one room it's going to look a little bit different than it does when you have all the other designers put in and i do pre-cut all my kits so when Mm -hmm. you take a kit home it's already cut all you have to do is sit and sew and that's something i came up with because i only have so much fabric yeah so I came up with that. So, Mary, do you also keep the vintage fabric there to sell if somebody's looking for something? Yes, not all of it, because that mm-hmm. is all in my basement. Mm-hmm. And when I say basement, we live in an antique church, and that's where the socials were. So there's a big, large basement, the full 60 uh, by 30 
room with shelving and drawers, and that's where all, most of the antique fabric is. But we do have fabric here. We sell on eBay, and basically I don't do any of that, so I don't know. I'm not a big mm-hmm. computer person, but I think they're on Etsy too, but I, I don't know. All I do is date it and price it for them, and they do all the rest of the work. Yeah. Now, you're still vending. How many, how many times a year do you vend at a show? Well, generally we did about 35 shows a year. Oh, my goodness, and Mary. we quit doing that about 20 years ago. When we moved to Bedford uh-huh. from Indiana County, Pennsylvania, we closed our antique shop, so we didn't do a lot of shows. And we just started going to Europe. We did shows in France twice a year, the Netherlands, England, and then we go to Japan. We used to go to Japan, and we used to go to Australia. So when we started doing that, we did that, and um, quilt market and quilt festival. Now we only do. We've quit doing all of those. No more big suitcases. We're thrilled about that. And yeah. now we just do uh, spring market and fall market and festival. And those are the only shows we do. Ah, ah. So people need to see you in Houston if they want to. Or your, or come to your shop. So that right, would be your, right. And we do place. have in, in our shop. We sell new quilts, old quilts, old fabric, new fabric, feed sacks, old mm-hmm. muslin, just about anything you're looking for. We we have a good choice that most people can find the fabric they want to repair or finish mm-hmm. a quilt, unless it's 1970s to 2000. Wow. I don't have yeah. a lot of 1970s fabric. Most all my fabrics before 1940. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Is anybody collecting 1970s fabric? (laughs) Well, well, they find their mother's quilt, and they Mm -hmm. want to finish it. So what they want to do is find the same fabric to put the sashings on or finish Mm -hmm. a flower, and we help them with that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, very, very cool. Now, you also, your fabric lines that you do, who uh, is producing those? I work for Wyndham Fabrics, and my new fabric will be in quilt stores in April. It's called Abigail Blue, and it's a beautiful indigo print with blue and white and white and blue shirtings. It's quite nice. Yeah, I saw the pictures of it. It's gorgeous. Are these all brought from vintage, or are you sort of making your own version of them? Well, what I generally do, I used to say I'm not an artist, and I quit saying that because I I really believe in my head I'm an artist, but I can't mm-hmm. draw a stick figure. <laughs> so I work with an artist at Wyndham, and what yeah. I do is take in my antique fabrics and tell her what I want. I say, you know, mm-hmm. half drop this, scale that down 20%, 50%, 80%, and she does what I ask. And I've been working with her for almost 20 years. And I have to say, only two or three times has she not understood me. We got along. Right. We get along that well that when mm-hmm. I tell her what I'm thinking, she knows yeah. exactly what it is. Or I'll take in an antique piece and say, "This is just color. I just want mm-hmm. this for color. We're not using this print." Mm-hmm. Or I will take a print and say, "I just want this layout, but I want these flowers in this layout." So that's mm-hmm. how I do that. That I just love that kind of process. You know, where you can collaborate and you can have both of your expertises meld together to have beautiful fabrics. Thank you. Yeah. So Mary, this has been so much fun chatting. Um, and I just love when I see you at the show and come and poke through your booth. It's so great. Well, I'd love to have everyone come and if they can't just come to Bedford, but you do have to call first if you want to see if I'm here. Cause my husband and I are just 
traveling and having a good time. Right. So, yeah, so definitely check. So be sure Mary's shop is open if you're going to go up to Bedford, Pennsylvania. And you also have a newsletter on your site at MaryCovellAntiqueQuilts.com. Yes. Yes. And I also have a Facebook page. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you, Pat. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'll be right back. Layer cakes, jelly rolls, honey buns, and turnovers. Oh, my. Inspiration for your favorite Moda Fabrics pre-cuts are just a click away at the Moda Bake Shop. Search the vast catalog of free patterns by project type or by pre-cut. The Bake Shop chefs are also cooking up fun all year long to celebrate the Bake Shop's 10th anniversary with quilt-alongs, giveaways, challenges, and sewing tips. Visit modabakeshop.com for all the fun. Want to design your own quilts? Now you can with Electric Quilt 8 software. Design quilts, blocks, and import your favorite fabrics. Or use any of the thousands of designs in the library. Podcast listeners, take 20% off your purchase through May 31st, 2019 with code PODEQ8. That's P-O-D-E-Q-8. Get more info at electricquilt.com slash APQ. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. When I met Angela Huffman of Quilted Joy, we were both doing demos and booths for a long arm dealer. You know, we had our own areas that we had expertise, and I just learned, I really learned so much from Angela because she's a pro at what she does. And being that I was sort of new to the long arms and new to demoing for this company, it was great to have this seasoned veteran there to help me and talk me through what was what went on in a booth. And so I, Angela has grown so much and her business is amazing that I want you to meet her. So Angela, I am Hi. so happy you're here. <laughs> I'm glad to be here too. That was so sweet. Pat, you have no idea how much I've learned from you as well. So I, I, you're one of my quilting heroes. So I'm just delighted to be able to talk to you. Oh, you know, your business, I've watched it, and you have just gone gangbusters from yeah. starting. I mean, basically, you, like, started in your basement, really, yes, right? Exactly. And it's, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, in a basement with those little tiny windows that, yeah, exactly. And now you have a beautiful store. I do. So. I have about a 2,700-square-foot store. We specialize just in the machine quilting process. We don't really do a lot on the piecing side of the world. I let the other quilt shops locally kind of handle that. And we just do the sit-down and stand-up machine quilting side. So, so tell me, let's go back just one few steps, because I want people to hear a little bit of your backstory. Um, mm-hmm. you, you learned to quilt fairly young. Why was it that you got interested? Um, so I, uh, decided to start quilting so I could meet men. (laughs) (laughs) How'd that work out? (laughs) So, so I was 24 and I was, I didn't want to meet men in bars and Mm -hmm. I thought, well, those adult education classes, that would be a great place to meet a man. So 
Um, the only ones that interested me were uh, quilting and cooking. And, uh, and so, yeah, I didn't meet a man in those classes, but I learned a lot about quilting that has served me well over the last, you know, 25 years. And you, when you started your business, you have triplets. I do. Yes. I do. And uh, they are they're amazing children. But when you started your business, you were a single mom with like needing leading income, right? Right, right. So, um, so after that initial adult education class, <laughs> that class they taught me how to hand piece um, with cardboard templates and hand quilt. And I hated it. I didn't touch quilting for six years after that. It was just too tedious. I'm, I'm a gadget girl. I like machines that make loud noises, and I want to go fast. And um, it just didn't interest me. So I kind of set it aside, and, and in the next six years, I got married. I had triplets, became a homeschool mom, a stay-at-home mom, and started teaching my children um, how to quilt during our homeschool lessons. And when my marriage ended, I needed a way to earn income. And so I decided to start quilting for others. But I needed a schedule that I could kind of control so I could be that the mommy I wanted to be. I could be the stay-at-home mommy I wanted to be, still make money, and have a schedule I could control. So that allowed me to do all those things. Quilting has been an amazing blessing in my life. It astounds me how it's grown and changed and, and, and blessed me over the years. You know, the industry itself has changed so much. I mean, just when when you started, were many people buying their own long arm just for 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 their own quilting? No, no. And I remember oh. the very first show that I went to, it was in Nashville in the Opryland um, mm-hmm. Hotel, and I saw a long arm booth with those big machines, and I thought to myself, man, y'all are taking this way too far. <laughs> you know, and here I said I have 10 of them now in my shop that we rent out by the hour. So, yeah. um, so no, it, it wasn't something that you would find just for a home hobbyist, for sure. It was definitely something if you were going to do it, you were going to do it as a, as a production quilter, as a business, for sure. But it's, it's changed dramatically. Yeah. And the, I would say just from on, on the other side of it, because, you know, I don't, um, you know, own the long arm machines or or have that part of a business in mind, but people still want someone else to quilt their big quilts. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you start looking at um, trying to do a king size quilt on a sit down mm-hmm. machine, it, it it's challenging for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's nice if you have a facility nearby like ours where you can rent out time um, on a long arm. You could finish your own big quilts. Or for sure, there's loads of long arm quilters out there who would happily quilt your quilts for you. But when you talk about even a sit-down machine with a larger throat, once you get to those big sizes, it is very challenging. It is challenging. I've done it. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. It's not the fun part, and it takes a long time. It takes longer because there, it's more maneuvering of it. So in your shop, you also um, you still quilt for customers, right? Yes. Yep, yeah. we quilt for yeah. others, um, and then we also have a large classroom. So I have um, friends of mine who are international teachers who come in and teach anything that I teach on the national level, launches out of the store. So there's a lot of education. Mm-hmm. I think because of my homeschooling background, um, I'm a little addicted to watching that light bulb go off over the students' heads. <laughs> so that education portion of machine quilting, both sit down and stand up, is is pretty crucial to my outlook on on quilting. 
So when somebody just from a standpoint of like I don't have any place nearby where I could rent time on a machine. So if somebody does have that option near them, what are some tips you can give them to be prepared for renting? Um, I would just call the store and ask them what you know, you need to have on hand what size backing. Most of the time you have to have a bigger backing and they have a preference as far as what that is. But um, one of the things is just when the first thing you bring, don't bring that, you know, Baltimore album you've been working on for five years. Bring bring something the dog is going to look really good sitting on. Bring something you're not emotionally attached to so that if Mm -hmm. you do make a mistake, you're not going to feel all bunched up and feel like you've got to pick it out. Because you got to, you know, you got to walk before you run. you got to take those little baby steps and give yourself permission to fall down and stub your toe and, and learn. Yeah, I always say that you take the first couple, whether you, no matter what you're quilting, whether how you're quilting, you take the first couple, you wash them, you give them away. Yeah. Do not, do not keep them. Yeah, yeah. I actually, though, I keep my very first, like I have my very first quilt I did feathers on, only mm-hmm. because when I'm feeling down on myself and I think, oh my gosh, why can't I do this? I can go back to those first and go, okay, mm-hmm. I actually have progressed. I actually, <laughs> I have learned something. I'm not starting at square one every single time. Yeah, that, and that's also true. That's also mm-hmm. true. Now, I found, now I don't know about with the long arming, um, how you how you see it when you have uh, new people coming in and learn. But I find that if I'm teaching something, you know, like free motion, free motion in and of itself, if you leave big gaps of time between when you do it, it's like starting over again. Do you see yeah. that? Yeah, I do. And I, I find that if people don't doodle at home, you, you may not mm-hmm. own a big long, long arm machine. You may not be able to touch your sewing machine every day. But if you can doodle and draw and play with designs on paper, because truly you can't stitch it until you can draw it. And I don't mean draw it well. I just mean that you right. have the path in your head. You have a brain muscle connection to the path. Um, then you can take it to the machine. But if you can't touch the machine for a while, you have paper, you have pen, you may be sitting at the soccer game, bored out of your mind, well, doodle. <laughs> <laughs> doodle, doodle. That's... So do you find a lot of, because you, you, with having your children so involved in knowing how to do this, do you find people bringing in children to your shop to, to learn? We don't have a lot of children that come in here. Uh, we're we're open, um, you know, during the day, so it would have to be uh, summer times. Yeah, and yeah. and my kiddos um, were really interested in the piecing side of the world. Um, they they enjoyed doing the machine quilting, but um, I think they felt more creative expression through the piecing side, the picking of the uh, fabric, the picking mm-hmm. of the pattern, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and quilting really taught them so many character lessons that I never. I went into it thinking, oh, we're going to do quilting because it'll teach them math and we'll talk about fractions and two plus two is one. And instead it became a lesson in perseverance and doing your best and cheering on others and um, patience. All of these character lessons evolved out of teaching my children uh, how to quilt. And they have won many, many ribbons. Um, they tell me that if, if someday, Mama, if you just keep persevering, you're going to win as many ribbons as we as we oh. have. So. Aren't they lovely? Yeah, They're so cute, yeah. right? Yeah, they have a way to, of keeping you keeping you modest. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. Let's keep you grounded, Angela. Exactly. Keep you grounded. So, do you uh, travel and teach still? I do. I, in fact, I was just in Australia this fall teaching at the uh, Australian Machine Quilting Festival down there, which was just one of those life moments where you go, wow, look at, look at what 
this has brought to my life. You know, look at what quilting has brought to my life. I got to go teach quilting and then hang out with koalas. Um, Can't get any better than that, right? (laughs) I I saw those pictures. They're so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I had so much fun with the koalas and the kangaroos and then um, went over to New Zealand um, for a couple weeks. It was fabulous. But um, I teach uh, this year. Let's see. I'll be in Detroit in June teaching. I'll be in Asheville teaching in May. So, And then, of course, I teach um, at my shop, and then I've got lot of online tutorials. So, you know, I'm just kind of all over the place, but I do travel and teach. Yeah. That's, you know, that's has to be a little bit hard with having a whole shop, but you must have a team now. So, Oh my gosh, I can't tell you how talented the women who work for me are. They are phenomenal. Um, I, I look for women who have strengths in certain areas and then I try to tailor their jobs to take advantage Mm of where their interests are. And I'm just so fortunate at the women who've walked into my life to help me with my, my career and my, my shop. It's been fantastic. That is, that is always important to have a good team. You know, you can't do, you can't do everything at some point. It takes more people, you know. Right. And I have way too many projects in my head of, you know, all the things that I want to do that without a good support system, I would, I would never get any, even one little sliver of the stuff I want to get done, done. So I want everybody to know something about you. I asked you in advance if we could say this, you know, Angela, because they may recognize your voice. <laughs> they may. They may. They may because yeah. Yeah. Tell, me, tell me what you do sort of as your, your uh, side hustle, I guess. <laughs> yeah, my side hustle, I do voiceovers for television and radio. And um, for a long time, one of my big clients was a major fast food company, um, and right now, I'm the voice of a hospital group um, in Kentucky. So there's a variety of, of clients that I've had. I've started doing voiceovers when I was in my early 20s um, over the years. So, yeah, more than likely, some of them, some of your <laughs> listeners have heard me on their radio. It was pretty cool when my children were tiny, tiny, and we would be in the car, and my voice would come on the radio, and I could look at my children, and I could see them go from the radio to me and back to the radio, and then I could see them go, no, that can't be heard. No. Right. <laughs> That is so funny. That is so funny. I know I, you were you were telling us about that on one of the the trips that we were on, and I'm like, I just love knowing about jobs like that because yeah. you know they're just somebody has to be doing that. So mm-hmm. and it's it's you. Yeah, uh, it's a whole lot of fun. So we have about thirty seconds. If you would just tell me where your shop is located, so people can find you. Yeah, so uh, I am in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, we also have a website. So you can go to quiltedjoy.com and find us there. And then we're starting up. Um, we have so many people who come into the shop, and they're long-arm quilters or sit-down quilters, and they don't have a guild specific for machine quilting. So we're starting an online guild that's just machine quilting focused, and you can find that. We're going to have a live monthly meeting um, through the Facebook page, our Quilted Joy Facebook page. Yeah, it'll be fun. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. Thank you. Bye, Pat. Bye-bye. Issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a Year delivered right to your door. Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns, how-to techniques, and tips and tricks from the editors and designers. 
And right now, we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash deal to subscribe and enter coupon code podcast at checkout to get 60% off your subscription. Find the link in our show notes. You don't want to miss out. Make your next quilt project a piece of cake using cake mix recipes from Moda Fabrics. This unique triangle paper is designed to work in conjunction with Moda's 10-inch square and 5-inch square pre-cuts that make baking a layer cake or charm square quilt easier than ever. Each pad includes enough sheets for each piece in your pre-cut stack, including a few extras for practice, plus a few simple block and layout ideas. Just mix with one or two Moda layer cakes or charm packs and you're ready to start stitching. Pick up ingredients for cake and cupcake mix recipes at your local quilt shop. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat, Sto- I'm Pat Sloan. Uh, so every so often I'm out, you know, looking around at quilts, and I just get so excited about what somebody's doing with an idea. And that's when I saw Christina Brinkerhoff's work from Center Street Quilts. Christina is uh, playing around with fabric and creating patterns. I'm like, oh, that is just so darn cute. So, you know, I just am excited that she's able to chat with me today. Hi, Christina. Hi, Pat. How are you doing? I am great. I'm great. It's Monday. You know, who else can say Monday's great? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are like, oh, my gosh. You know, so for us, it's Monday. So when did you discover quilt making? Well, I grew up being around a lot of women that quilted and sewed. And so I just kind of grew up seeing that talent. And one summer when I was a teenager, probably only 13 or 14, I got bored during the summer break. And so I asked my mom if she would mind helping me make a quilt top. And so we went to a local fabric store. I picked out some 30s reproduction prints, which I still love. And I made just a simple pinwheel quilt top. And that was kind of the beginning for me. I just fell in love with it. And of course, through the years of schooling, I probably didn't do quite as much, but I've kept up with it. And just something, something that I really, really enjoy. That's fun that you got to do it with your mom, you know, that you did something together. Was she excited that you were interested? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it was fun that she saw that it was something that I kept up on, not just something Mm -hmm. that I tried once and gave up on. But, um, but yeah, we so frequently over the years together. So that was kind of a fun thing that we got to share. So when did you uh, decide to start writing about your quilt making on on your website? Well, you know, probably about 10 years ago, I had a family blog and I would write, do a few things here and there. And, and I kind of gave up on it, but just within the last couple years, um, I decided, you know what? I, I've joined Instagram. I love seeing what all these other people do. So why don't I share some of my stuff and maybe it can help other people and so it was just then within the last couple of years, really, that I started a blog and then I joined Instagram. And it's been so fun to see other people, be inspired by other people, and hopefully, in turn, maybe inspire some people to do their own quilt designs. Yeah. So how did the name, how did you pick Center Street Quilts? Does that mean something? 
It does. I live in a small town in Utah, and we actually live on Center Street in our oh. small town. So, so it's just kind of a fun little name that, yeah. of course, I Googled at first to make sure there weren't any other Center Street quilts out right. there. So I think I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah. I know. I've always lived on streets that did not have cute names. You know, like I, did not, I could not do that. One was Sarth. Right. Sarth. I'm like, nobody would even know how to say that. It would be like, it's just a strange street name. That's not where I live. Yeah. And that that was another thing. It's easy to pronounce. It's easy to Mm -hmm. say. It's somewhat memorable. So I thought, let's go with that. And so far it's been good to me. So that's very cute. I really, really like it. Um, No, you, you you do a lot of work with the Moda Bake Shop. uh, And, you know, when you, when did you first submit something? What was that like to submit something to the Moda Bake Shop? So, it was a, a little bit after I started um, being having an online presence, I guess, like being on Instagram, and I saw that they were looking for new designers. And a lot of times I think quilters think, oh, that would be so fun to be in a magazine or to be on someone else's blog, but you kind of think it's an opportunity for someone else, not for you. And so I thought, you know what? I know how to design quilt designs. I'm going to submit something. So I stayed up late that night. I got together a couple designs, and then in the morning, I submitted one of them. And immediately after, I felt sick to my stomach. I thought, oh, Oh, no, no. what have I done? Like, am (laughs) I going to be just disappointed? And so I really, I was kind of nervous about it. But I'm glad that I got nervous after instead of before because they got back to me within a couple hours and said, we love your idea. We'd love to feature it online. And so that kind of started the idea of me being thinking, okay, yeah, I can design quilt designs for other people. And so being involved with the Motivate Shop has been great because I feel like it's gotten my foot in the door to figure out how to write tutorials and how to do patterns and what works and what people like and what is too complicated to try to Mm -hmm. explain to someone. And so that has been just a really good experience for me. You know, it's really nice too, because you're actually working with an experienced person. You know, it's not like Mm-hmm. You know, you're sort of out there hanging, you know, on your own for so for learning, you know, you had them to bounce things off of and for them to say, you know, well, maybe let's not make it that complicated, you know, right. you know get advice. Yep. with. Yeah, it's been great working with such a good company and I still do enjoy doing stuff with them from time to time. So. Mm-hmm. So what type of quilts are you making now? You know, what I found, which, which I got excited about, and I thought, oh, we haven't talked yet, so I need to get you on, was when you're doing sort of these <laughs> buffalo plaid, these big, you know, chunky, yeah. this this design. But that's not – tell me what that is first, what you're doing with the yeah, so, plaid. So um, I have a few quilt designs out that use um, where you actually do the piecing for the plaid. Instead of using a plaid fabric, right. you it's piece so cool. it using a – a dark, a medium, and a light fabric. And I came, that idea came about last fall as I was looking for some kind of fall design that I wanted to do just for my own house. And I thought, hey, instead of doing a pumpkin with plaid fabric, I could actually piece the plaid, and then that way I could make sure to get the right color that I want so I can make an orange plaid pumpkin where it might be kind of hard to find, be hard to find orange plaid fabric. Mm-hmm. And so it all started out with that plaid pumpkins pattern. And it's been fun because I've seen people do um, black and white plaid pumpkins or I've seen aqua plaid pumpkins. You know, my mm-hmm. original one was orange <laughs> with a couple black and white. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I went and did a Christmas tree plaid, 
which um, is probably my favorite of my plaid patterns. And it's called Farmhouse Christmas, and it has nine jumbo-sized Christmas blocks. And it does this, it has the same idea that you choose a dark fabric, a medium, and a really light one. And then the way that you piece them together, it creates its own plaid pattern. But it just works well because the plaid ends up lined up every time. You can choose whatever color scheme you want, and it's just kind of a fun fun take on the buffalo plaid like farmhouse trend right now yeah i really think it's it was so clever and like you, you know that it, i hadn't even thought about the fact that you know you can make it the color that you want you know, it's very hard to find a buffalo plaid that's aqua or you know exactly you know some yeah sort of... yeah and that's been that's been fun a lot of I know the black and white is popular right mm -hmm. now, but it's been fun to see other people and what color designs they want to do. I've seen mm -hmm. some really cute, like hot pink Christmas trees, you know, <laughs> and it's just it's just fun to be able to personalize it to what fits your style. Yeah. So, so what fun. other type of patterns? So this is just something you've just recently done. You know, so it's like a little series. So what other type uh -huh. of patterns do you like to design? So I do a lot of foundation paper piecing patterns also, and they are just block patterns so that someone can take that block and make a lot of them into a quilt, or they can just do the one and make it into a little pouch or a tote bag. And that's something that has just really been fun for me. I love foundation paper piecing because you can get the angles exactly how you want them to be. And it's just a quick, quick, easy project that that you can finish however you want. So if you see my pattern shop, you'll see some traditional piece and a lot of foundation paper piece patterns also. Some of them are super, super easy, very beginner friendly, and some of them are a little more complex. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, they're just kind of all, all across the board, but I do enjoy, I enjoy both of them. I try to, you know, give myself equal time sewing traditional versus foundation paper piece. So. And some of them are tiny, like the little bitty um, candy corns. Yeah, yeah, I've I've enjoyed doing that. If I have an idea that is pretty simple that you can do small, I like mm -hmm. to try to make it teeny tiny because I don't know why that's so enjoyable, <laughs> but probably because you can get it so precise because you're following the paper lines instead of trying to traditionally piece mm -hmm. it that small. But yeah, I do I do enjoy the tiny ones. So. Yeah. Everything's cute when it's small. I mean, you just, it's true. It just is. Yep. Yeah, it's just, it's just so darling. Oh, yep. so it, step, stepping back now, you know, you've been quilting for a little while and, you know, stepping back, like what part of the quilt making do you love that kind of surprised you? Um, so I've always loved designing and that kind of started out from the beginning. I'd want to make my own, but as I kind of started making these quilt tops and didn't know how to finish them, I learned how to free motion quilt on my own machine, and that has been something that I absolutely love. I love being able to do a quilt from start to finish myself. And I probably learned how to do that on my own domestic machine maybe about 10 years ago. I remember finding out about long arm quilting and how expensive that was to have that done, and I didn't even know anyone that did long arm quilting, so it wasn't even an option if I would, would have been able to afford it. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know what, I could figure this out on my own machine. And so I looked online and was able to figure out a little bit of information based on what was out there and just a lot of experimenting and a lot of mm -hmm. practice. And yeah. so that was real. That was really fun to be able to figure out, hey, I can do this myself. And I feel like anyone else could have that same experience 
it's something that you can figure out yourself and be proud of your own work in that way. So are you doing a lot of um, free motion with your machine? Are you doing walking foot as well? You know, I do both. I actually, I do own a long arm now. And Mm -hmm. so when I do my long arm, it's almost entirely free motion. I just upgraded to a computerized machine, but I have only been doing free motion (laughs) this whole time. And then, but on my smaller machine, I will do a lot of walking foot quilting just for Mm -hmm. little pillows or pouches or something because I do love kind of the straight line, a little bit more modern look too. And so I do a little bit of both. Yeah. So what kind of project are you working on right now? Right now, I have um, some fabric from Riley Blake (laughs) that I am going to be sewing up one of my older patterns with. And so I'm excited about that. It's um, Minky Kim's Someday fabric line Mm. that is coming out. And it's just darling with little bikes on it. My daughter saw it and she fell in love. So I think this quilt is going to have to go to her because she loves the cute little bike figures on yeah. there. So, so that is my next, that's my next fabric. I, I was going to start on it this morning and then I got, the day has gotten away from me. So today that will be cut out <laughs> yes, and I'll today. be working on that. <laughs> yes, today it will be done. Right. Right, having goals, having goals. So do you uh, share, like, daily on Instagram? You know, probably not daily. It depends on how much I'm working on and what I can share. Um, Sometimes I get sad because I'm working on something for a magazine and I can't exactly share it. Mm -hmm. But um, if I'm working on something that I can share, I do love to share the process because it's fun to be able to see other people's progress on, on different things. And so I do try to share at least a couple times a week when I have the time. Yeah. And do they find you with the Center Street quilts there? Uh-huh, yep. My yeah. Instagram handle is at Center Street Quilt. So. Okay. All right. Well, you can – this has been so much fun, Christina. Yeah, it's been fun chatting with you. I love uh, catching up and hearing how your ideas happen. Uh, so I want everybody to know to visit you at Center Street Quilts uh, and either come to your website – go to your Instagram, uh, and they can even see you on Facebook, so it feeds over there. Yep, I'm on all three. So. All three. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com, add a digital pattern to your cart, and enter coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Then get quilting. Visit our show notes for more. Start at the beginning. Design your next quilt like the pros. Quilt designers Nancy Mahoney and Alice Blythe both use Electric Quilt 8 software to design their gorgeous quilts, and you can too. Get EQ8 and start designing just minutes after you purchase. Podcast listeners, take 20% off through May 31st, 2019 with code PODEQ8. That's P-O-D-E-Q-8. Get more info at electricquilt.com slash APQ.
Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat, and I'm going to do the last segment in sort of my fireside chat uh, method because I want to go tell you about a few things that uh, are always, I think, are important or fun that people are talking about. One is American Patchwork and Quilting is hosting their 2019 Quilt Along. They have been doing this for several years. And the, for what the Quilt Along is, is they put out a pattern and then it's in the February, it was in the April issue. And so you can, which is coming out or out now, so you can get it. But what you do is you sew along and, and then there's a challenge. You know, you post your pictures you can go to the quilt along group on facebook and you can look at the hashtag apq quilt along and you can actually see the past ones from this 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 year it is so fun because it's really easy it's kind of like a log cabin done with strips and the designer is my friend tara lynn Baisden, and she came up with this incredibly easy design like who doesn't like to sew strips and you get a schedule that tells you to you know, gather your fabric and then cut all the fabric so you can just sort of you can either work at your own pace or you can just sort of zoom along and uh, finish it up. But the best part is going and seeing everybody else's work. You, on Instagram, the hashtag uh, is really nice. On Facebook, go within the community area because that will really show you everything. I don't know that I'm going to sew it along this time. Sometimes I do. Uh, I've got a little bit of other things going on, so I may not be able to, but I'm certainly going to be watching it. And I will link it on my website so you can go right over to the page and get all the information. But if you're in the allpeoplequilt.com, it's like backslash quilt along. So it's pretty easy, pretty easy to find. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about was a little bit about learning because I have felt lately you know, I get a lot of new people. I get a lot of people who have maybe quilted for a while, but don't feel like they've, you know, have really made that many quilts. You know, they may have been quilting for many years, but maybe they've only made one or two quilts a year. And so their, their skills are at kind of stay at a certain point. So, you know, I think learning and sort of going forward with your skills opens up a whole new world for you in making. And there are some there are some things you can learn about knowing the basics. And it always sounds I mean, it does sound like incredibly boring to learn the basics like, oh, you know, like just shoot me. Right. Like who wants to sit down and do that? But there is there there are reasons that it helps you. Uh, one of the interesting things that on on my Facebook group, which is called Quit Along with Pat Sloan, one of the, uh, the super lovely ladies, she was talking about. Uh, and using the term leveling up. So she's from the UK and she also knits. And she said in the knitting world, people would, will say they want to level up. And she said, it's basically learning a new skill or getting to like the next level of your skill sets. And I thought that is the best term leveling up. So I went to, to do a little research and see where else that's used because I haven't really heard it in quilt making, or it just might be that I haven't heard it. Maybe you all have. But it's a it's a gamers use this term, and I'm sure there's other people, too, that use it. So leveling up is taking your skills to the next level, and that means adding new things to your toolbox, to what you know. A lot of people start out uh, with doing very simple projects or not. There are people I know who start out going, like, I'm going to make a double wedding ring for my first quilt, and they do. 
they go find a YouTube thing and they watch it and they do it. And that is the most incredibly wonderful thing ever is to be able to have an idea, go out on the internet, find a tutorial, find a, a video, find a book that will teach you what you need to do or show you what you need to do that specific thing. Because I know what that's like. You're like, I just want to do this. I just, I don't, I'm not that, you know, I'm not going to be doing all that other stuff that you all quilters do. I just want to make this one quilt and be done. But I tell you, you're going to be hooked after that. You will be hooked. You will be coming back to learn more. So when I learned to quilt, we did not have uh, options like you have now. You had nothing on the, on the internet. Uh, you only had books or you had classes. So you could teach yourself from a book or you could have a class or, or somebody could teach you. Um, I didn't have anybody who really could teach me, so I was. My friend said, "Why don't Why don't you take a class?" So the classes in my area at the time, which was a, a while ago, everybody, but not too long ago, because I'm not super old, you know. But <laughs> it was a while ago that you would only be able to learn by piecing by hand, uh, much like uh, Angela was saying. You know, her first class at the community center was, you know, cardboard templates, piecing by hand, you know, and hand quilting. That is how everything was taught. Even though rotary cutters have been invented, sewing machines have been invented, they taught you the basics in this other way. I will be forever grateful and forever thankful that I learned that way because I now have this amazing set of tools that I would not get had I learned another way. Even if I, because I learned Everything about the construction, which actually helps you later. So let me tell you what the benefits are, because there are some really super big benefits for understanding uh, the what's going on with your quilt making. If you started out like just sewing squares, or you, maybe you made rag quilts. You know, a lot of people tell me, oh, they just started making rag quilts because they're super easy. They're very forgiving. You're very successful, and you have this warm, cuddly, awesome rag quilt. Uh, but then if you want to, you see a pattern or you see a quilt. It's mostly you see a quilt, a finished quilt, and you're like, I want to make that. But if all you've ever done is sewn squares, you may not understand how to even make it happen. How do you make it? How do you get started? And I was thinking about this a lot because I am going to teach myself counted cross stitch. Uh, I, I know some of you can follow you can follow along with me if you like. If you've never cross stitched or you just want to, uh, you know, get back into it a little bit for some handwork, you follow along. But I am like opening up the pattern to the counter cross stitch, and there's really no directions. There is a diagram. Well, I also I can crochet, not that well, but also the same thing crocheting and unless you get a book you're basically getting like a diagram it's like that's the pattern so i'm having to learn how to read this pattern this is the same for quilt making if you have watched a video and you saw a block being done that's super great uh, but that doesn't give you a skill that you can then do for anything you watch that block being made and you made it and you had fun but then if you see another type of quilt you need the skills to understand how the block is constructed, constructed, how you read the pattern, you know, what are, what is the terminology? So that is where the benefit of starting and getting that baseline. So basically you, you have a baseline of what, what, you know, you'll know how to, uh, 
read a pattern. What does it mean? You know, there's a supply list. You know, what is the flow of a regular pattern? You know, what is the cadence of it? You know, what are the kind of steps that you're going to see so that you know the next time you pick one up, oh, it's going to be similar to every other one that I've done. Uh, there's also the big, big, big thing is understanding how blocks are constructed. They're a grid. Uh, it was it was funny. I think it was, I think it was also Angela <laughs> who mentioned earlier where she said uh, she thought she was going to teach her kids math, you know, about about making quilt blocks, and that that is true. I mean, there is quilt math. Uh, there are standards such as a block is generally an even number, so you have a two inch square. You've got a quarter inch all around it. That makes it a two and a half inch. So you've got a quarter inch, the, the square, and another quarter inch. So that would be two and a half for a two inch square. So that's quilt math. And it's, it's taking that understanding where if you read a pattern and it tells you to cut a two and a half inch square, that means that's the piece you're going to sew with. That's not the final size of the block. Once you have that concept, then you can look at other kinds of shapes, quarter square triangles, which is basically a square cut in force on the angle. Half square triangles is cut in half. Then you have other, you know, wonderful shapes in patchwork that all basically come to a grid. And if you can think on a grid, you can understand what you're doing. You can also, this is, I think, the really wonderful part, the part that I learned piece by hand, this is where it helped me, you get yourself out of a jam. If you've got something that isn't working, you're sort of cutting off the points of your block and you don't know why, once you understand the construction and where that seam allowance is and how things are supposed to work, you realize how you're supposed to trim, where your ruler is supposed to be placed. All of those things are then parts that you take with you and you build upon them. You level up each time to build onto your skill set to add those into your toolbox. Uh, so I really, I really love that those basic things take you through, through your quilting life. You know, they're used all the time. You're always going to be going back and, and remembering something that you, that you did. So I also have some questions that I asked online for, I said, you know, what if you were, had a new quilter, what would you tell them? That's my question. I asked my Facebook group. So Yvonne said she would say buy a quarter inch foot for your machine. If you don't have one, she said it's the best money she ever spent on her quilting. Uh, Kara says to keep it simple. When you start, follow the steps one at a time. That's excellent. People sometimes rush ahead. It's good to read the whole thing, but then when you start working, if it's new to you, Go one step at a time. Kathy um, suggests that you test your quarter-inch seam and that you use my video and my tutorial, which is so sweet. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, that is, you know, that is really, really very, very true. Yvonne says measure twice and cut once. Let's see. Who do I have here? I have about another minute. I've got Julianne. Julia, Julia Ann says to practice pressing. Now that may seem nutty because you're like, I know how to press, but really pressing, cutting accurately. Uh, this, these are, these are important to be sure the patchwork is flat. If you did like a half square triangle, if you don't press it so that that fold is flat, you could actually have, um, 
have it so that the square is not actually the right size because it would be too big or too small if you get it pressed out. What is another one? Lisa had cutting using your ruler lines and not your mat. I think that that's also a very wise suggestion because, and then stay with the same ruler. Just stay with the same ruler. Don't be changing around because they all could be just a tiny, you know, a little bit different and you want to keep that on track. So if you're looking for a book with all the basics, I did that. I have a Teach Me series. And so the Teach Me to Make My First Quilt is the first one. And I have machine quilting and I have triangles and I have applique. So it's a four-part uh, series of Teach Me. And then in there are all the basics because as I, as I wrote them, I wanted to build your toolbox, all, all the things that you need. So that is, that is what I did with my books. So thank you for being here today. I hope you like this little fireside chat. I do them also in video format and share them at my YouTube channel and uh, on my Facebook group, Quote Along with Pat Sloan. So listen, listen along with me uh, each week on Mondays, and I will catch up with you next Monday. We'll have a new show. Be sure you subscribe and go back and pick up any uh, shows that you may have not heard. all and thanks for listening if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast please subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us have a creative week